welcome to another episode of the Ath Geeks podcast. We back, we better. We got spells back on the show. You know, spells. I ain't asked you yet. I ain't asked you yet. How, how the new job coming along? Uh, <laughs> it's it's fortunate because like they haven't done my clearance and shit. Like it was super kind of. Well, I don't want to shit on the process, like on you know on wax, but. Stuff didn't happen the way it should have. So I just been we've just been building government, you know what I'm saying, for forty hours of work. But I really just been, you know no. been fucking doing homework at my desk. Because, you know, where I work is, you know, you need a, a TS and you gotta get right into it, you know what I mean? In order to actually do anything. And so I can't do anything. <laughs> yeah i mean that's fair that's fair i mean it's not that, like that just for ts it's like that for just regular secret clearance period any clearance you need because you're kind of limited because they, they hire you to do a job with that clearance so when everything's not set up they're like well you kind of can't really do anything it's like accepting a job to do basic it work and not having a, your secret clearance ready yet so you can't get an admin so you can't really do anything you're just sitting there like oh well i'm here I don't got my clearance. I don't got anything, but exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. But it's it's been cool though. I mean, the people themselves are like real knowledgeable. There's like a lot of. Uh, I'll tell you about the off wax because it's, it's really interesting. But I ain't about to jeopardize my clearance on here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That makes sense. Um. But yeah, yeah. Since you've been gone, though, we we haven't we haven't been able to cover everything like like we normally do. Before we jump on the free agency, because we do need to talk about free agency, because you know moves been happening and everything. Let's start. Actually, before we, I was about to say, let's go ahead and recap on the draft. Go ahead, because you know, as an OKC Thunder fan, how do you feel about y'all's move? How, y- y'all, y'all pick what, what y'all did. Well, originally, I was annoyed because. Like you, the Thunder don't really leak their draft plans that often, but you think you know the Thunder's like kind of prototype and like how they like the draft because they don't like to go like long athletic players or like you know proven contributors, right? So it's you either get you either get KDs, Russell Westbrook's, and James Harden's, or you get like Thibault Tefalosha's and Andre Robertson's. So those are like pretty much the two things you're gonna get with the Thunder draft. So when we took Josh Giddy, who is not athletic, he is long. But he's not freakishly athletic, and he's not like overly skilled in terms of scoring. It was kind of a surprise, especially to take him at six. Because I mean, the I think he might got taken at like twelve or thirteen if he didn't get taken at six. But it was just it seemed like a reach to me. But also, I just realized we're like probably two, three drafts away from having the type of roster we want to have, or having the pieces we want to have to sneak back into contention. But Josh Giddy was cool. Trey Mann, I like him more than Josh Gates just because his skill set kind of translates directly. Like his rookie year, he would have a role just because of how well he can score and, you know, be a backup guard, which we need a backup. Like we need a third, fourth ball handler because, you know, we've got Shea. we got Giddy now. You can kind of trust Dort with like some ball handling responsibilities in between times, but not all the time. So that was a good pickup. James Earl Robinson, uh, if the shot comes together, then we'll be in good shape because he's just a he's kind of like one of those glue guys. He does everything pretty good, but nothing like exceptionally well. So that's pretty cool. And then um, Aaron Wiggins, I mean, he's just one of those guys you just draft 
and hope that he plays up to his ceiling. And if he doesn't, then I mean, you got him for a second round pick, pick like fifty five. So it can't hurt. Yeah, that that's true. That's, I'm I'm just surprised that y'all didn't take more risk. I mean, I guess Kitty was a big risk, but in regards to a bigger risk than some of these other like prospects, I wasn't really expecting Giddy to go there. And I already talked about that before. I wasn't really expecting Giddy to go there because they, a lot of comparisons, a lot of people try to compare him to LaMelo because they're like, Oh yeah, he was over there playing in whatever that league over there, Australian league. He was a triple. He was close. He was almost average a triple double. It was like 10, seven and seven. He struggled shooting over there. Well, LaMelo struggled shooting there too, but I'm like, but I don't know if they're exactly the same because if you watch a lot of LaMelo's games, you can see that he was he was playing lax. Like, he wasn't really all in. Like he was kind of, like, just going through the motions while working on certain parts of his game. Uh-huh. But I'm guessing – because that's what everybody always said. They're like, oh, yeah, he's similar to LaMelo. I'm like, eh, just because LaMelo hit last year doesn't mean Giddy's going to hit this year. Um, And since y'all are obviously, like I said, in rebuild mode and not trying to win anytime soon, I would rather y'all – you know, took a risk on like Kaminga. I, I was watching. I don't know if you watched that's um any of the summer league games so far. Kaminga looked pretty good in that first game with um playing for Golden State. I liked what I saw there. He was aggressive going to the hoop and everything. Mm-hmm. He didn't really try to settle for too many shots. He was more more so slashing and everything, which I expected him to. Yeah. Uh, I you could see certain certain moments where he forced shots where he shouldn't have. He he he'd pull up and go for a contested shot instead of when he had another man that he could make an extra pass to and had an open shot. Mm-hmm. But some of those times it went the shot went in, so you can't really complain. And some of the shots times the shots didn't. Like one of the drives he had on a fast break, it was a two on one fast break. The defender fully committed to Kaminga, but he went up for the contested layup anyway instead of throwing the oop to his teammate who was calling for the oop. Yeah. He made the tough layup, but he made life harder instead of making the extra pass, which a lot of things they say was his struggle because he doesn't like to his shot selection, but I still feel like y'all should have took a risk on him because y'all aren't looking to re I mean, go back and especially if you bring a shade back, unless you're moving shade back to the two and then having door at the three. But I mean, I guess positionless basketball, it doesn't matter who brings the ball up the court. Yeah. And I think for who's at what position. And I think that's kind of why Kamega didn't get drafted is because like, obviously the potential is immense, but then it's, it's like everything got top coming together well is like really a portion of his like ceiling. So, you know, that, that simple basketball play where he didn't dump it off to the teammate, you know, is the type of shit that the Thunder are trying to move away from. Um, I think when they had – I think the Chris Paul season when they were moving the ball well with three guards and they had Gallinari at the four, I think they kind of like what they saw there as far as having, I mean, essentially four people that could, you know, pass, shoot, and dribble at a decent rate. Um, so I think they're trying to not necessarily move towards a three. I mean, it's going to be like a three guard lineup. If you call him Giddy as a guard, like a six, nine guard. So you'll have Dort, you'll have Shea and you'll have Giddy. All three who can move the ball pretty well. You'll have Baisley at the four. He can move the ball pretty well. They can all shoot. Okay. Not that Dort is raising three point percentage, uh, except Giddy, but I'm assuming we're going to develop him into a, a serviceable shooter. And I just think that's – I think because they they don't think they'll be able to retain a true superstar that implementing, like, this kind of Spurs-ish ball movement system. Like, just don't let the ball stick in one person's hand and do a pick and roll half the game via, like, Russell Westbrook or, like, KD. It's because you're not going to have the skill level to do that and win. 
a playoff series. But you can have a superstar player and still do that because that Spurs offense, ever since Tim Duncan has been gone, they're running that same offense, but that offense is looking awful. Yeah, you, you can no, so, you can have a superstar player and do that, but I don't think OKC is going to get a superstar player. I mean, exactly. That's why if you don't think people are going to come to OKC, that's why, in my opinion, you go for the big time draft pick like a Kaminga. Like if he hits, he could be a top ten player in the NBA. But if he doesn't hit, he could be out of the league in two years. So it's kind of like if you know you're a smaller market and you're not going to get big time free agents. Because I don't know the last time a big when was the last time a big free agent even came to OKC. Not like in a trade or something, but as a free agent. Like they they willingly was just like yeah I'm gonna come to OKC and free agency. I don't know. Exactly. That's what I was like. I can't think of something on top of my head. So if you know that you're not the most like ideal situation to where people like it's not like the it has nothing to do with the organization, but it's usually location, other things like that. And they're like, and eh, we don't really want to be in Oklahoma. We don't want to be in OKC. I mean, I was in Oklahoma City for like two weeks whenever I was visiting a Crystal whenever she was out there, mm-hmm. and. It was okay, but she said she didn't like it out there. I talked to some of her friends, and when I was hooping on the court, a lot of people were talking, but they didn't really like the city too much. Mm-hmm. But it was cool because they could go to Thunder games and stuff. Um, I, I don't, I don't, something like that. If the location isn't ideal, like I said, it doesn't matter what, how good the organization is. Nobody's gonna wanna, nobody's wanna gonna go there because it's like, why would I come here when I can go to either a team that's more successful or a team with a better location. Like I can go somewhere in Florida. I can go somewhere in California. I can go to these places. So I under, I understand. So knowing that I would have took the hit, I would have took the hit on Kaminga, but I mean, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how Giddy pans out. Um, But speaking of old OKC players, well, uh, that man, that man, mama, there goes that man led us to another, another gold medal. And passing Carmelo and everything, he man, he 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 done, he done took over. I know I know a lot of people always give the Olympics to Melo, but it looks like Katie done took the took the crown for the Olympics, U.S. wise. I'm not gonna say worldwide because there's always still been other great Olympians before, like professional basketball players could play. Those professional basketball players in other leagues and stuff. Mm-hmm. But as far as U.S. wise, it looks like Katie that dude now he done took over. Yeah, for. Yeah, for the Olympics, it should be too. interesting. I think he knows it. Too. Yeah, oh yeah, he definitely knows it because he was talking. He was talking his noise at the end of the game. He was talking to everybody, calling it everybody for not believing in him. He was um, what's it called? He was he was on Twitter the whole time throughout the while they were in Tokyo going at it with people. He also uh, you see at the end when they were on Instagram Live and they were talking, he kept talking about LeBron. He was like, "Hey, LeBron, hey, we're talking about we got the gold, Brian. Hey, Brian, we got the gold." Yeah, he was just, yeah, yeah. Katie, Katie, but I feel like Katie's been like that for a while. Ever since, remember when he went to Golden State and he was like, after he won his ring, he thought he was upset when people didn't say he was the best player in the league, and so he thought he was the best player in the league since like 2015. And he hasn't changed his mind since. It's just nobody else really gives him that crown. Even now, where LeBron's taking a step back and everything, people aren't people still aren't giving KD the crown because they're giving Giannis the crown right now because they're like he just led his team to the finals. He won. He did, and he dominated in the finals. And so people are still giving Giannis the title. People are still saying Kawhi's up there. Then you also have LeBron. Then KD's still up there. And 
I've seen a lot of people say that KD is honestly not even the best player on this team because they take Harden because of how well the team played without when Harden was on the court and KD and Russ weren't. I said Russ when KD and um Irving weren't there versus how KD played when the other two weren't there. They're like Harden got everybody else involved. They always play better with Harden, so people were giving Harden more credit because of his playmaking and getting everybody else involved than they were at KD. I mean that's that's an interesting it's an interesting sentiment, right? Like Harden could very well be considered better than KD. It's just the Harden's defense just makes it really hard to put him up there. Like, like he's a liability on that side of the court. Yeah, he he's a liability for the for the most part. That's I think a lot of it goes down to effort. Um, but a lot of people say the same thing about Katie. I mean, Katie's a good help side defender with like blocking shots, contesting shots, and everything else. But as in like one on one perimeter defending, I mean, I don't I don't think a lot of I don't think a lot of like top guys like anybody that you would say right now is a top. Outside of like Giannis, outside like top five, top well, not even Giannis. Giannis does help side too. Top five, top ten players in the NBA. Nobody really guards the best player on ball or plays like spectacular on ball defense anymore. For the most part, most of them are usually help defenders and everything. Even somebody like Kawhi, Kawhi still has that. Um, everybody already had this. Always says, "Oh yeah, Kawhi is this kind of defender." Always like, but if you really been paying attention to Kawhi, Kawhi hasn't been. Like somebody that puts a lot of effort in defensively mm-hmm. for like two, three years. Yeah. And it's been a while since we've actually seen because he started because you know, once they started putting in more offensively, you started seeing he wasn't guarding the best player. When he was in Toronto, he wasn't guarding the best players or anything like that. He wasn't trying to do like that. He'd go in spurt spurts, like kind of like how LeBron started doing when he was like later in Miami and everything. They give spurts of guarding the best player, but they're not gonna spend the whole game. He'd be like, oh, well, that person is going to go off just like how we were talking about with Giannis and Katie. He's like, you're just going to let them go off? He's like, they go in little spurts, but for the most part, they let somebody else guard them because they don't want to tire themselves out on offense. And even in that series in the when Toronto in the finals, before Katie went got hurt, Katie was cooking Kwai and making Kwai look very suspect defensively. And so it's like now with the Clippers, he still doesn't guard the best players or anything like that. And as people complain, they're like, why is he not guarding Luka? Why is he not guarding X, Y, and Z? And Kawhi gets a lot of – some people say that, but a lot of people give Kawhi passes because they still see him as a great defender. So when you talk about the hard and defensive thing, it's like nobody that's really a top five, top ten player is playing on-ball defense. Help defense, yes. On-ball defense, it's not really a it's not really a big thing for the Stars to do anymore. Uh, it's not like a big thing, but the the presence, like I, I feel like Harden is the only one that doesn't get in his stance to pull up his pants and like actually put effort into it. <laughs> but that, maybe that's just like a it's a mind thing to me. But that that's the only reason like I wouldn't put in there with KD. I, I know KD can play defense. Like I know if KD gets an assignment, he'll he'll play. He's not gonna be like a fucking star beater, but he'll do decent. But that's the only reason I wouldn't put Harden in front of KD in that. Top two, top three list. It's either Giannis or KD. And I think we both know who the answer is. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as an all-around, I mean, you're going to – if you were taking two people on your team right now, you're like, hey, I got KD and Giannis right there, and you're doing, like, schoolyard pickup to pick up who you want, like y'all picking people. Yeah, nine times out of ten, people are going to pick KD. If you're picking Giannis, it's kind of like a, all right, 
you're probably somebody that doesn't it's usually gonna be like a bias like you have a bias against KD or something yeah so most people are gonna take KD over Giannis most people are gonna take KD over Kawhi the argument still goes to whether they take KD over LeBron even though LeBron's older and everything like that that that's probably where it falls in more I still see those two as the top two players in the league right now and then the next tier right there will be Giannis, Kawhi, Steph, people like that. And then you go a step lower, and then you have the other people like the 80s, the Tatums, everybody else like that, Donovan Mitchells, and everybody else like that. And they just keep going levels and levels to it. But, um, yeah, Katie, Katie really showed his stuff, this Olympic basketball. And I think – uh, people aren't going to give it credit. I mean, a lot of people still didn't watch the game since they were super late, but Katie, Katie did his thing. He, he dropped what, like 29 this last game, 29 to 30 this last game. And whenever he was off the court, team USA looked really, really suspect. And you, that's surprising to me because it's like, y'all, all the other players, they're still star players. Like Dame was struggling bad these last couple games. And it's like Dame's on that team. Drew Holiday was still playing immaculate defense, but offensively he wasn't the best. But defensively, he was easily the second best player on the Olympic team. Tatum was second in points, but he struggled a lot. Draymond's there, obviously, to play defense and facilitate. Zach Levine did his thing, but it's just like usually whenever those lineups came in and Katie would have the court, it's like you have all these amazing scores like Dame, Tatum, and Zach Levine with all these other players like I was wondering, like, how are y'all struggling scoring when, whenever he's not on the court? That doesn't, it didn't make sense to me. Cause it's like, in theory, y'all play better defensive teams and like better defense throughout in the NBA defensive play. You play better players. I can't say defense because going based off the quote Luca said, Luca said it's, it was way easier to score in the United States than it was in the NBA than it was in Euro basketball because. I think it's more so they pride themselves. They're starting to pride themselves. I mean, in the NBA today, you don't really see a lot of people play defense. Well, I mean, that which makes in, sense. In Euro basketball, like, rest more liberal with the contact, you know, going to the rim and shit, so. Yeah, yeah. They do, they do let them play through a little more contact and everything, but it's it's just, it, it, yeah, can you look, you saw the team just say there were those a lot of times where they would drive and they'd be looking for foul calls and they're like, they're not giving you a call get back on defense and play. And they're over there looking for calls, complaining and stuff. And it's like, they're not giving you that call. Yeah. That wasn't a foul. It, but, you know, it's it's hard when you just come from the playoffs, you know, and you're like, all right, damn, this is at least a playoff foul. And you, you're looking at the ref because the, the NBA so – in the regular season, they're so free with the foul calls. And then they try and tighten up a little bit in the playoffs. And sometimes they still get a little crazy with it. Then you go to FIBA, you know, FIBA play where that shit's just – just cutthroat out there and fucking punch you in the throat. Right from blow the whistle, man. It's literally like that fucking um that Mark Phillips skill where he's like, you know, trying to find a ref that knows how to not call calls. That's pretty much yeah. what he's <laughs> So I mean it can, I can see why it looks easier to score in the NBA, man. Cause I mean Yeah, I mean yeah, look how James Harden get half his points in the game. The free throws. Yeah. And that's how like I'm like when I you look at somebody like Luca like Luca was talking about he like I mean you averaging like twenty over there in Euro when you come over to NBA and average thirty and it's like hold up 
because a lot of people don't pride themselves on defense. In the playoffs, obviously, it cuts down a little bit, but actually, he still balled out even more. But he normally, you know, it would cut down a little bit, but yeah. it just it's just surprising. But KD did talk his stuff saying that they keep saying that they're catching up to the U.S. and they're not catching up. But I don't I don't know if I agree with that. I think the other countries are catching up. They're not there yet, obviously. But you know, they they kind of they they narrowed the gap a little bit, but the gap is still there when it comes to basketball when it comes to the u.s and other countries but um let's take a short break we were supposed to, uh, we're gonna come back and talk free agency and we are back like we never left Finally, time to jump into this free agency period. And let's start off with a team like the team that made the most noise in the Los Angeles Lakers with adding Russell Westbrook, Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony. I think, yeah, they brought um, yeah Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn. Then they brought Talon Horton, um, Tucker back. So, what, what what do you think about all those moves that the Lakers made? I mean, it doesn't feel as dangerous. Like, I think it's a really good like lineup of people they got. I really like the Kendrick Nunn move. I think the Malik Monk move. I don't know if he plays as much as people think he will. Um, I think he did. I mean, he 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 averaged like what, like ten a game, shooting almost forty percent from three. So he could be a good, like, just explosive person off the bench, because Malik Monk is still a good scorer. I think he takes some of uh, Tht's minutes because Tht is a good scorer, but Tht can't really shoot, and Malik Monk can shoot, and Kendrick Nunn's a good scorer, but Malik Monk's the best shooter out of all three of them. But probably those two are probably actually better players. But as far as shooting, I don't know. And I feel like the Lakers are going to, like, I don't know. We're going to have to see how they feel about the spacing stuff. Cause that's what everybody worries about. I mean, the spacing isn't horrible, right? Because, I mean, AD can shoot threes. LeBron can shoot threes. I mean, even, I think Mark Gasol can shoot threes. So, if. I thought Mark, did Mark Gasol leave? I thought, or is Mark Gasol still there? No, Andre Drummond left. Yeah, yeah, Mark Gasol's still there. So, you, yeah. you, you got three people for sure that can shoot. THT. But how many minutes do you really want to be playing Marcus Hall? I mean, I'm just giving you the starting lineup. Like, they they can go because they can always slide 80 to the f- the five, LeBron to the four. I don't want to play five. Okay, uh, do you want to win? <laughs> I mean, David, that's been I'm, the thing for. But like, <laughs> you, but you know what I mean, like small ball five. I know what you mean. I'm just messing with you. Go yeah. ahead, keep going. So I mean, whoever you want to put in the three, that could be a lineup where you get Malik Monk. Fucking you can get Malik Monk, Russell Westbrook, and then one of Kendrick Nunn, THT, going in a little small ball lineup if you want to. But, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. They got a lot of new toys to play with. So, Carmelo. I mean, Carmelo's definitely going to play some small ball something. Um, uh, That'd be interesting how many minutes he gets, honestly. Because his game is like... It's like tailor made for people that are going to lose first round in the playoffs. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, 
Like, it, like it, <laughs> not Taylor made. It, it's cool. Like you, like damn, yeah, he's he'll do enough so we'll get there. You know, as like a third, as a third third shooter or some shit like that. But when I need him the most in the playoffs, it, what he gives me might not be enough because he's the third. He's the third shooter on the floor. So I mean, I, I like the Carmelo pickup if only because it gives him a chance to get a ring. And all you really need is one good playoff game for Carmelo. And then, I mean, that could do wonders for your postseason. So, we'll, we'll see. I, I honestly don't like the Russell Westbrook edition, though. But I feel hey, like everybody saw that coming. Say what? Say what Russ did to you? It's not what he did to me. I don't know if – I don't know if I, I want to see LeBron off the ball. And with Russell Westbrook there, that's kind of what has to happen. And Russ can play off the ball, but he's not as an effective as a shooter. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, you saw him play a little off ball when he was with Harden. So, like, I don't want to say it's not possible because it definitely is possible. Because you saw it happen with Harden. However, I just don't, I just don't know how I feel about him off ball as much because depending on the lineup they go out there, you're gonna want Russ out there cutting or staying in the mid-range area, but if you have other people that's you also need cutting and doing stuff like that, you don't want yeah, AD can shoot, but you don't want AD just camped out on the three-point line all game. Yeah, and, I'm, and I mean, but, Russ is good at, you know, disrupting the, de- the defensive balance because he's he's a magnet when he has the ball because when he, he drives, people collapse, so that helps their offense if when shit is stagnant, but I just it's all about how Russ wants to play it. If he's willing to defer like, not even like shots, just his ego, like the timing of his shots. If he was into defer that, then I think it'll work. Like, it'll probably be one of the best moves of the offseason. But if Russ plays how Russ plays, we're kind of like, uh, why shouldn't I take this shot? You know, we're down three, and I'm the third best shooter on the floor. Why shouldn't I take this shot? If he can talk himself out of that type of shit, then it'll be a successful team. Yeah, I agree. I think do wait, wait, do you think they're a super team? Do you consider them a super team? No. No. Okay. I, I, I mean like there's better teams than the Lakers. Do, do you not feel like that? Do you feel like the Lakers are the best team after the offseason? I don't feel like they're the best team. Yeah, so I mean it's I wouldn't consider it a super team. Like I was I would still consider Milwaukee a favorite over them. In seven, probably right now, I would probably take Brooklyn too. Yeah, hey, I take definitely take Brooklyn over them. That's a, that's that's Golden why I'm State, like I'm not. I mean, I'm not they sure. get past Golden State, maybe. I mean, depending on Clay, yeah, I mean, how, how Clay came along about that. So I, it's it's not enough for me. Like, damn, like this is unbeatable. But I think I think even recently, you've seen people do a little bit too much complaining when they see really good basketball players get together because that was the favorite of Brooklyn, and then. You know, two out of three of them got hurt, and mm-hmm. now we're looking at the Greek freak as a champion. So, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's just people keep saying, "Oh, well, they're old," but then they say they're a super team. I'm like, eh, I don't really consider like because I think people fall in love with names too much more than what they're doing. It's like, yeah, you see the names like Carmelo, you see the names like Dwight Howard and all of them, but it's like they're they're not they're not the same players anymore. Yeah. Trevor Reza isn't the same player anymore. Um. Outside of any of those players that they added, the only person that I'm like, 
out of all the older guys, it's like Russ. Russ is, but he's not. He's not the same Russ as he used to be. But he's still, he's still Russ. He's still nice, but he's not the same Russ he used to be. So I think they fall in love with just seeing names too much. And I would consider a super team like, like you said, like there's just like they're the clear cut best team where it's just like oh well yeah they just nobody's beating them blah blah that's a super team and i'm like i can see the lakers losing but i can also see i wouldn't be surprised if they won at all so i don't want to consider i don't consider them a super team i just consider them a really really good team right now um i don't really got much to say on that i want to just see how it works i want to see how russ like changes and adjust his game to fit with the rest of them because that that's that's my biggest concern too so yeah if he can can figure that out because I, you said the I, only thing they're gonna ask him to. Like I, I would be curious to see because I feel like that move is made. Like this isn't a move that was made without LeBron being like, "Yeah, I want that." You know? Yeah, of course. I mean, especially considering it's Russ, and not like he's a bad teammate, but it's just it seems to be polarizing. He seems to be like the scapegoat anytime something goes bad, right? So with the yeah. Rockets, you know, oh shit! I mean, the rest didn't produce how he's supposed to with with the Thunder when Paul George was there. Oh shit! Where, where was Russ? You know? So it's he will always be the scapegoat. So it'd be interesting to see if LeBron's like, well, if you're gonna be the scapegoat anyway, then you know you and AD run this shit, and I play third wheel. And if that happens, then I'll be very. I think that'd be the wiser move though, because you gotta think LeBron thirty, what like thirty six, and it's they're saying like he wants to play till he's forty, and he said he's made that known that he wants to play till he's forty. He wants to prolong his career so how do you prolong your career taking the ball out of your hands stepping back and letting somebody like taking a like a step back in the road look at like a lot of those older greats like they they took the ball out of their hand somebody like i know it's not the same because he's a big man instead of a perimeter player but somebody like kareem uh, like later on, he was just like, "Oh yeah, this Magic and all them—they're running the show." And James Worthy and all them—they were—they were giving getting more love. But it's just every once in a while they'd go to Kareem when they need a bucket. Yeah, Kareem then- forty, but he'd still give them—you know—he give them like twelve a game, fourteen a game every once in a while when they needed him to. But for the most part, he was just kind of like there, just as a older mentor guy that could give you something if you needed him to, but. If you didn't need him to, he was he probably would best just staying back. So I think that's like he sees something like that, or like Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan took a step back later on. I just see, think he's looking at that. And he's like, yeah, people can take a step back. That'd be best for me if they t- if I take a step back. If I want to actually play as long as I say I do, then I need to take a step back, or I'm not going to make it that long. Yeah, uh, and I, and I think LeBron's been thinking about taking the step back for a long time. I think that's part of the reason he was so irked when Kyrie Irving, you know, asked for that trade and forced his way out because he was talking about giving Kyrie the key soon when they were in Cleveland. And then he seen this, but he, he seemed to be really happy with the arrangement he had with AD last season where AD was taking over a lot of the offense as far as the actual bucket getting portion. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. It is, it is a little more tricky with two people I want to call AD ball dominant, but in order for him to, you know, take pressure off LeBron, he hasn't scored. So it'll be interesting to see when there's two people that want to score in the 25-plus range on the floor with you. I mean, do we see Bron's point average go below 20 this year? Is he, I, don't think, I don't think it's going below 20. I think at, at the very least it goes um like 20, 21. 
Yeah. Like I can see I can but can you I think yeah they're bottom that don't mean they have to score all the time. I still see they can all three coexist though. Like you can have Russ average like barely twenty points last year. He was he was almost for the good portion of the career, he was almost at like eighteen, nineteen points a game. So you get Russ getting a 18, 19 point triple double. You get LeBron averaging 20, 21, 22. You still got 80 averaging about 25, 26. It still works out because the rest of the points come from the role players after that. So I think they can still just fit after that. Yeah, I mean, in theory, but that's the thing about theory. Sometimes they get proven wrong. We just have to see a lot of that shit. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, I think Eagle plays a big part in it. I mean, how does AD feel? But you know LeBron's cool with it. Does, does AD like that? AD like that? I mean, it's, it's – I don't, I don't know, man. And, mm-hmm. and once again, it leaves you without that. I guess you don't need a point guard that can, like, manipulate the defense if you have LeBron. But, like, they don't yeah. have, like, at this point, like, a, a real good ball handler either. Like, Russ is – I wouldn't even say Russ isn't turnover prone, but Russ is, Russ is good enough as a point guard, but he's not, like, a – his handles. So up. he's definitely turnover prone. Yeah. And man, averaged almost five turnovers a game. He, I mean, he's averaged at least four turnovers a game like the past like five years. He has like, I think he's all, he has almost a, I think it's like 18, 19% turnover percentage to where like one fifth of the time that he has the ball, he's going to turn it over. Yeah. Like he has one of the highest turnover percentages like ever because he turns the ball over a lot but then again it's like oh well maybe it's just because his usage is up so much but even when he was in the Rockets in over there his, his turnover percentage was still super high so it was like with the ball wasn't in his hand all the time mm-hmm. he still turned the ball over a turn I just think he tries to do too much and he still has to get himself under control so he's gonna have to take that turnover and limit because there's, there's no way he can be the primary ball handler for the Lakers in averaging four to five turnovers a game yeah, that shit. It, it just won't work, but we'll we'll see, man. It's it's really a way. Yeah, we'll definitely see. I mean, Kendrick Nunn is also someone I'm interested to see. I mean, they have a, they have a pretty good piece. Like I, I don't think this makes them a super team, but I think this is just the team they need to make a deep run. Because like yeah, they, they have they have like a quality they have quality depth now. You know what I'm saying? And that's not mm-hmm. something you can arguably say. I mean, KCP serviceable Caruso serviceable but, I mean this is some quality depth so uh, shout out to fucking Palenka man to this thing this all season Aaron just checked it once <laughs> so <laughs> yeah but that's, that's, uh, that's we talked about the Lakers for a while um what do you think about the Miami Heat's move oh um eh I didn't love it I, I I didn't like it at all. I thought I thought it was kind of idiotic because they they basically went all in on win now mode when I don't think the Miami Heat are necessarily are in win now mode. Uh, I think they're in try to win now mode. Try to win now mode, but it's just I don't see them matching up well with the Bucks, the Nets, the Seventy Sixers. Even like the Hawks now, um, like a lot of these teams, I don't see them really matching up pound for pound with them because the Heat, the Heat have obviously shown they need a number one guy, and it's obviously been shown that Jimmy Butler is not a number one guy. Yeah, he he he's uh, he's not a number one. He's definitely a number two. As much as they try to force him to be a number one, he is not a number one. He 
tries to play bully ball and you saw this last series when he tried to play bully ball with the Bucks, they just took Chris Middleton and them off of him. They put PJ Tucker on him and Jimmy Butler couldn't create on Jimmy um, PJ Tucker because he didn't have any go-to moves to create separation. His shot is horrendous and everything. He was shooting like 20% from the three. He can't, he's because he's never been a good shooter. He's not a good shooter. So he just tries to use his strength and overpower and now the teams are starting to see, okay, we just put a bigger body on him and he can't muscle them. He doesn't have the handle to like break them down, the bigger guy down and then get past them. And it's like Jimmy Butler's basically neutralized. They used, they were relying a lot on Goran Dragic on their bubble run and Tyler Hero and all them played well as well. But Tyler Hero didn't really do that great. Like he, he was okay, but he wasn't like, he didn't, he didn't take the leap and the step up that people thought he was. So he struggled. And Bam still needs to add that three ball because they were basically sagging off of Bam and his mid-range jumper wasn't falling. So he kind of struggled. But Bam can get that three ball or at least he can make sure his 15-footer falls. He'll be straight because Bam's still elite defensively. But I just I just don't like giving Jimmy Butler four-year, 184 mil at this point in his career, especially somebody that relies all on athleticism so that whenever they're – at the end, like the next two years, his athleticism is going to continue to go down. So it's like you're paying him 40 mil, almost 50 mil, and he can't shoot. Mm-hmm. And his athleticism is gone. So what good is he at this point? You're paying Kyle Lowry, who's 36 right now, three years, oh, 90 mil. So you're, pay- you're going to be paying him 30 mil at 39 years old, almost 40 years old. I mean, it's. It, the NBA is weird in the sense that it could it could be enough. I mean, we're talking about the Heat that are just a year ago were in the finals, so it, it could be enough. I mean, no one thought that team would be the one to come out of the East. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Where it could be enough, but that's if they did, like they caught everybody off guard. Like they they did, they caught a lot of people off by surprise. Like I said, there was a lot of people that played above what they normally do. Like Tyler Hero cooking, Gordon Dragic cooking all of them. But Gordon Dragic is leaving, so he, he he's not there. So they don't have that, but they have Kyle Lowry now, yeah. They don't have what's going I mean, Tyler Hero's going to take a jump. I'm just worried about the floor spacing on this Miami Heat team because Lowry's a good uh, he's a he's a he's a serviceable shooter, but he's not like a knockdown three point shooter. You already have Butler there; that's not a good shooter. Bam says expand. Only thing they still got that same team. They basically just added PJ Tucker and Kyle Lowry, and I was like, I just don't think that's enough in the East. I mean, to I go think, far. I mean, I think the Bucks just showed you that it's, you can win by buckling down on defense. And yeah, and oh, absolutely, absolutely. The but the Bucks also. Also have a number one option in Giannis, and even though Chris Middleton struggled a lot, he was like wishy washy. He when he was on on like like the half the time, half the time it was like golly, get this man off the team. The other half the time, that man was cooking. Who who does that for the Heat? Like you can compare, but like with Chris Middleton's having a bad shooting game, let's say Lowry's having a bad scoring game at the point guard, they can't give it. Jimmy's not a number one to just take over for them, and it's like okay. Take it, a, take it the other way. If Jimmy's struggling, like Kyle Lowry can get you a bucket, but he's not <clears throat> the number one. That's what I'm saying. They don't have a number one guy. You have to have somebody. You have to have a number one and a, somebody that can go get you a bucket when you need it. 
you need to have somebody that can go do that. And I don't really see the Heat thing doing this. But I can't blame a team going all in trying to win a championship. Yeah, I can't. Because I mean, uh, uh, what's the alternative? Are you going to tank? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you I'm, I'm all for them trying. I just don't think that this was this I don't I just don't see this move really working. I feel like they wasted a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And especially when you could have like next year you could try to go get a big name coming in or try to pursue somebody. I mean, I know they were banking on trying to get somebody this year and when I guess when they saw they weren't going to get a star like Kawhi or somebody, then they were like, "Okay, let's just we we we're probably not going to get somebody like that. Let's just go all in on Jimmy." And just build around him and see what we can do. I just, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it. But um, what do you think about the Clippers? The Clippers bringing Kawhi back and Reggie Jackson back on a super team-friendly deal. I mean, is it going to be enough? Because it hasn't been enough to like the last, even though Kawhi was hurt this last playoff run, it just doesn't seem to have been enough the last two years. So I, I like the Reggie Jackson coming back. I like Kawhi coming back. I just don't know if it excites me. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah so I just, it's, I mean, it's good for the Clippers. They got them. Then it didn't break the bank. But does Reggie Jackson perform like he performed this last playoff run? I mean, that's what they're banking on. But guess what? Mm-hmm. They didn't. They didn't spend a lot of money on Reggie Jackson. I think he was, what was it, like two year twenty two mil. So he took a super team friendly deal. It's like something like that. It was, I just know it was really cheap. I don't know the exact, but it was really cheap. And he could have went somewhere and got paid over a hundred mil. And he instead was like, you know, I'm gonna stay here, stay loyal to the team, and just go from there. So I mean, I can't. I I don't know. We're gonna have to see how that goes. I know for the Bucks, by Portis came back on a team friendly deal. Um, the Knicks made some moves. Really? The Celtics. Oh, we know. We, I was gonna I was gonna get to the Bulls. I was gonna end with the Bulls. Oh, okay. Well, I just named some other people. Um, because like I mean, Wizards. we can also still talk about the Wizards and stuff too, but because just talking about a lot of teams that made some good moves. The Celtics, they cleared up. I know I knew they already weren't gonna give Evan Fournier, they weren't gonna sign Evan Fournier back. Because Evan Fournier wanted stability. He wanted a longer contract. Mm-hmm. And we were only going to give him a one-year deal, maybe a two-year deal at most. Yeah. And so there was just there was no point in like him signing with us knowing he wasn't going to have stability. So I don't blame him for leaving at all. We cleared some more cap moving Tristan, moving a couple other players. And that's why we moved. Like when I was telling you about when we moved Kimba, to get Al Horford, we, yeah, we got a bad contract back, but Al Horford's contract ends before Kimba's. So I think that 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 is what the Celtics are banking on right now because they're banking on – they're putting their, all their chips in right now trying to bring Bradley Bill in next year when he's a free agent. So they're trying to clear up all cap space. They're not giving any if – you, if you see what they're doing, they're not – even when the people they brought in, like Josh Richardson, they brought in – they brought him in on two years. They keep – Hinting at everybody, like, like Dennis Schroeder keeps popping up in a lot of Celtics thing because Dennis Schroeder even mentioned that he wouldn't mind going to Boston, but Boston is only going to give him a one year deal. What you need? Because he needs another one year deal. Yeah, yeah, to try to bounce back from that. Yeah. But it's just a lot of you know a lot of athletes want that stability. They want the three, four, five years and everything like that. 
And right now what we're doing, we're not giving anybody a long deal. If you're coming to Boston, you're going to get two years max because mm-hmm. they need, they need either they need contracts with that. They can easily move in case Bradley Bill's like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to come to y'all. Then it's like, okay, we only got, if we had on a one year deal, by free agency next year, they're off the book, so we don't have to worry about it. They're on a two year deal. They only a one year deal. You can you can move them to another team and be like, hey, move you here. There's only one year left of their contract. We'll take, um, we'll send, we'll attach a pick and you send back a bum that's not we're not really worried about that's making less money. And there we go. So they're going all in on this big three with Jalen Brown, Bradley Bill, and Jason Tatum. I just hope it works. It works out for them because. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting if they don't, because they, because they're basically have given up on this season. Ownership has shown in the gyms and everything like that. Like Brad Stevens has showed that he's not really all in on this season right now. Uh-huh. This is kind of like a bridge season for us banking on next year because there's all these rumors on because Jason Tatum and Bradley Bill said they want to play to each other, with each other. But just because they said they want to play with each other doesn't mean they're going to play with each other right now. You know? Yeah. Like, LeBron, early in their career, LeBron, Melo, Wade, and Chris Paul all said they wanted to play with each other. Chris Paul didn't play with LeBron. He still hasn't played with LeBron yet. So he never he never is going to play with LeBron at this point. That's what it's looking like. Carmelo is not playing with LeBron until this late in his career. Mm-hmm. So just because they say they want to play together... That doesn't mean you just put all your chips in one basket, all your eggs in one basket, everything like that, and be like, hey, yeah, he's, they said they want to play with each other, but they didn't say they want to play with each other in Boston. Yeah. What happens when Tatum leaves? Like, he's like, dang, they're not building around. We're not, we keep missing out. We can't make it to the finals. You know, let me let me and Brad take our talent somewhere else. Yeah. Just like how, like, you saw, like, how Kyrie and Katie wanted to play together. They're just like, yeah. They're just going to go over here to Brooklyn. They can go to another team, and then they can make that team better. Yeah. What happens – what I worry about, too, is the Jalen Brown aspect because Jalen Brown only has two more years on his contract he before he has a player a option. Huh? Yeah, he might be getting a little itchy. I don't know if it's a great idea to put winning off in, you know, in hopes of having space for a star or whatever next, the next year, but – I don't think it's a good look. If I was a young player on that team, like if I'm like Jalen Brown, I'm like, why am I banking on Bradley Bill? Do you not believe me and Tatum can get enough? You don't believe I'm a good enough second option? Well, He's like, especially after the well. leap he made, huh? They they could also believe that two things could be true. It could be okay. Well, maybe maybe they jump again, and with yeah. the scenario if they don't, then you know, then this is happening. Go for I, Bill. I mean, I think they're ready to live with the results either way next year. Yeah, because it's gonna, but it's just gonna. I just think it's gonna be interesting because like they have it there. I'm like, I don't like they don't have a backup plan. Or at least they haven't shown a backup plan right now because all their all their everything's pointing towards Bradley Bill. So maybe they do secretly have a backup plan that are like, hey, yeah, we got we're making it look like we're going all for Bradley Bill, but we're really looking for these players. And if Tatum and Brown take that leap, then we're just gonna get some other players with all that money we have, and then just try to go from there and build around. Who knows? We'll have to see how that future holds up. But um, yeah, the you you mentioned the Bulls. I did I did like what the Bulls did. You know, you know I'm 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 all about the ZO two. I'm a big Lonzo Ball fan, big like all the Ball brother fans. So that I love I love that move, especially since the Bulls needed a point guard. 
Mm-hmm. They needed a point guard badly. So Lonzo going there fits perfectly. The only thing I'm not sure about is the DeRozan fit. Because DeRozan can, he, he's still a slasher, he can playmate, and they have enough shooters with Lonzo shot like 36, 37% last year from the three. Zach Levine shot almost 40%. Vucevic did shoot 40%. They have enough shooting around them so DeRozan can still drive. My thing about that, dude, because DeRozan played power forward last year for the Spurs. I don't know if they're still going to try to do that again with him or they're going to move Patrick Williams at power forward and, let, and play small forward. My concern with the Bulls is defense. And I know they a lot of Bulls fans say they, they address the defense with Lonzo, but that's only one player. When you still have DeRozan, who's not a good defender, Zach Levine, who's not a good defender, and Vucevic there, who's not a good rim protector, it's gonna be it's gonna be very very interesting because they don't they have one player and they're hoping Patrick Williams takes another step and can be a really good defender because Patrick Williams is really athletic and he's a solid defender but they're taking hoping he takes another leap but it's like and I guess that's where they brought in Alex Caruso too because he's you no know, scrappy defender and everything off the bench but I still want to know where a good portion of that defense comes from the Bulls yeah their offense is gonna be amazing but defense what are they gonna do? I mean, it's, it's effort, really. So, I really, that's really on the coach is how he how he challenges that team. Kind of similar to how Frank Vogel challenged the Lakers because the year before, they weren't a great defensive team. And then, you know, Vogel came in and he made that a focus, which is probably why he was hired to make defense a focus. So, if if Billy Donovan finds a way to challenge them offensive, I mean, defensively, and is getting them to put for effort on the team defense front, they can probably do enough offensively to, to survive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're going to, have to see though, because I know a lot of people um, com- complain about um, what's their coach name? Boyle, Jim Boyle, right? The Bulls, Jim Boyle, the Bulls coach, yeah, Jim Boyle, whatever. Billy Donovan, ain't uh, it? huh? It's Billy Donovan, ain't it? I, is Boyle not there anymore? Are you sure Boyle's not there? I'm pretty sure Billy. Did Don- they fire Boyle, and I just didn't know? That might have happened, bro. Uh, I'm about to check that right now. Yeah, I'm about to, I'm about to check it right now. I'm about to I'm about to I'm about to yeah, Billy Donovan's the check. head coach, man. Okay, so Billy Donovan went okay. Okay, I thought Jim Boyle was still their coach, so they did fire him in the regular season. Then I forgot all about that. Then so, okay, yeah, Billy Donovan. So yeah, they'll be they'll be they'll be. I mean, Billy Donovan was with y'all for a while. So how how do you feel about Billy Donovan as a coach? Uh, I mean. It was interesting because he was there in tandem with Russ and Paul George. So it was kind of a thing where it was like you kind of saw they wanted to implement some ball movement, but that shit just didn't happen as much with Paul George and Russ. So it's kind of hard to gauge him. His one year in Chicago that he already spent has been decent. You know, he got decent returns from it. Um, I don't think I don't think he's the coach. Like, I don't think he's going to scheme anybody out of, like, into a competitive advantage, but he's decent, man. Just fuck him from leaving OKC, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. I just, I just wondering how you feel, but I mean, I we we they're gonna, we're going to, have to see on that one too because they're going to, have to lock in defensively. And we're going to, to we're going to, to see what. How do you? But lastly, lastly, before we before we end out this episode, we haven't talked about your team and um. Y'all super maxing Shay. Do you feel like he's gonna even get the 
I know y'all offer him that max. Do you think he's going to be able to get to that super max? Because to do that, he has to either get an MVP, a defensive player of the year, or make an all NBA team so that he can get that extra, what, 20, 30 million? Yeah. Um, I think the most attainable one to be the all NBA team. Will he get it? I think sometime over the lifetime of that contract, yeah, he will get it. I, I can see him having an all NBA season if he keeps improving. It, I like his feel for the game. He's already a proven scorer, and he's, and he's still young. It's like, well, he's going into his third or fourth season. Like, he's still yeah, really young, but so. They still got a – I think I think they the voters look at winning, too, so I think that's going to hold. I mean, I don't think he'd agree. I mean, they're obviously going to add the incentives, but you're obviously going to bet on yourself, so I don't think he'd agree to that incentive if he doesn't have that competitive drive to feel like he can get to there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's fair. I, I – I don't. I don't know, cause it's just he's at the guard position. If he was like a shooting guard, small four, maybe, cause he have two opportunities. But being at the guard position, it's just like it's gonna be tough for him to get in there, cause there's so many. It's not even a knock to him. It's just there's so many dominant guards in the NBA, and you even look at the young players coming up. A lot of them are guards. Look at the rookie class right now. You just added two more guards to worry about, be wary of with Jalen Green and Kay Cunningham to be worried about in the future. So it's like you have all these guards. So I think that's going to be the the biggest thing for him. Like, yeah, well, I think it's fair. Do. I mean, I think it's fair. I mean, he didn't he didn't play a majority of last season because he had a foot injury. I think it, it gives him a chance to bet on himself, and it also kind of. It's like a little bit like a hint of realism. Like it's kind of like saying, like, yo, you might not be worth that supermax. You know what I'm saying? But if you are, you'll get it. So I think I think yeah. there's fairness in that, because you're kind of rewarding him early in his development, right? Like he's not like a Trey Young at this point where he's willing his team to the playoffs or even in the sense of availability. So I mean that's their, their teams are completely different too. I don't I don't Trey yeah, Young's yeah, not willing yeah, yeah, yeah. to okay, I mean, he, to the playoffs. He shouldn't have had to, but if the organization thought it was time or they thought like he as himself would be enough with a competent cast, then they would have probably made that happen. Cause I mean, they have the assets to put something around them quick. And I think that's kind of what they're, I think that's kind of what they're waiting on too. It's just. Yeah. The, the right. sell. Yeah. I still don't understand when they were trying to give up SGA and their picks to move up to number one. I, I, I will never understand. That. Uh, I think. I mean, I could kind of see it because if you're going to, you can't have both. So it was going to be, if we're going to get Cunningham, we like it a little more than SGA, which is easy to see because SGA isn't that great of an athlete. And I mean, K Cunningham can very possibly be better than SGA. Like, let's. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I yeah, it's <laughs> always a chance. And if he had King but I'm just saying, I feel like that's overpaying for him giving him giving them both. I was like, both. No, I, mean, I can understand one, but it the depends on because look, because because the, the value we took at six. I mean, his ceiling is Joe Ingles, is what I what I've been hearing. So that's what everybody has been saying. They said Joe Ingles. That's how I was like. That's so disgusting. That's sick ass value for number six. But anyways, so if that I mean that's what you're going to take at six. You're really saying, okay, I'm gonna give you Joe. Ink. I'm gonna give you fucking Josh Giddy and SGA for Cunningham, which 
But what if they don't take Josh Giddy and they take Kaminga or somebody? Then it's like, and then Kaminga pans out. Then it's like, hey. But you I got mean, there's always that risk. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, it, I, just, I just really don't like y'all. It depends on what you like, like what your evaluation is and what's your projection yeah. for your team. Because the projection is what's important with OKC because it is it is taking value, like, to take it, like, like the process years. And then that 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 can get south, go south real quick because you now you're just doing another like form of like back asset hoarding, you know. But I think they're trying. I mean, to that's be, what they're doing right now, basically. The asset I mean, hoarding. I mean, with the draft picks, yes, but I think the picks that they've taken now, I think fit what they've been trying to take the last couple of years. So that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But anyways, we've been we've been rambling on for a while. This has been another episode of the Ath Geeks podcast. Always, always, always remember to respect women, but most importantly, remember to respect yourself. And we out. <laughs>